My name is Les Hackle. I'm 35, live with my parents, and was recently dumped by my girlfriend. It's all right. She had issues. And oh, there's a bomb in my neck. I have no idea how it got there, but if I don't follow their commands, they say it'll go off. I just need to stay alive long enough to figure this out, to find out who's behind it. My name is Les Hackle, and I have a bomb in my neck. Just like everyone else. Evan, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Um, how are you doing? Great. It's a little earlier here in California, and I was up with a sick baby, but I'm doing okay right now. <laughs> I am really sorry to hear that. Your, your baby okay? Yeah, just teething, but she was up all night. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I will try not to keep you too long That's then. Okay. Um, <laughs> <gonna be> tired. <laughs> uh, congrats. <laughs> Well, Thank congratulations you. on the release of Abrupt Hour, especially after so many years of work. It is in itself an incredible accomplishment and worthy of anyone's attention, even if it is just to experience the madness once. Are you satisfied with the overall response to the film so far? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, the, the worst thing that could happen is it could slip into obscurity. Um Maybe the second worst thing would be everybody loves it. The best thing would be it, it's uh, very polarizing and everybody wants to talk about it and see it if it's, it's um, you know, some some people would actually find it vile <laughs> or uh, just unwatchable because of the puppets. Uh, I think that's probably the best response you could get. So I think I've kind of gotten what I wanted. <laughs> Oh, you have you have you seen uh, have you seen a, a a decent chunk of negativity? Um, yeah, not from not from film reviewers and not from festival programmers because they seem to really like it. But there's some people that just you know they I think they go to the festivals and they it's just the sort of movie that just kind of gets you back on your heels and you really can't really register it or you don't interpret it correctly the first time through. You don't know what's going on. I just think there's too much for some people for a single mm -hmm. viewing, and I I think um, that's kind of led to some people not liking it, and and some people generally don't like to watch life-size puppets for 90 minutes <laughs> it is quite unique and you mentioned film festivals they're a breed of their own and you've been to a fair few this past year um overall at these festivals received well um and did you get much feedback from people at these events um yeah i've been to festivals um you know i live in america so mostly stayed here but i did go to mexico city and I've heard back from other uh, festivals around the world. It's played on many continents at this point. But uh, uh, yeah, it's been very positive. Uh, people like it. A lot of the programmers and so forth have had to watch it several times and reviewers too. kind of admit the first time through it was a little too much. And I had to watch a second uh, one programmer said, I think he watched it five times <laughs> to sort of get the hang of things. It's that sort of movie that invites repeat viewing because I do plant a lot of hints and clues and Easter eggs and whatnot throughout the movie. I mean, when you work on a movie for eight or so years, you're you're going to put a lot of stuff into it. <laughs> mm -hmm. I'm really glad you are mentioning repeat viewings because at the moment I've seen this once. I only got got hold of it yesterday. So it was a quick, all right, cool. Let's watch this and form some thoughts and opinions. But before I even write a single word, I plan to come back to this again next week as well. Um, that was already in my head. So I think that makes complete sense. Thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. 
So talk to me, and we've got to go back a bit here, but I kind of want to gauge your original vision, the early stages of your vision. And if it was quite clear, and at the time it felt achievable. <laughs> um, achievable. I think there's an interview with Orson Welles that says ignorance is probably the most powerful tool that a filmmaker can have because they just don't know what they're... So that's how he made Citizen Kane, not knowing that something was not filmable and being told no and then trying to find a solution to it. So I think whenever I go into a project, I don't even really explore it, whether to see if it's doable or not. I just kind of jump in if it's something I'm interested in and just mm. just try to make it happen. So um, and then you just kind of slap with reality along the way and, <laughs> and the logistics of trying to do something like this. Um, and I liken it to Fitzcarraldo, the movie uh, Herzog. We, you know, why, why, you know, float a boat around in a river when you could push it up a hill and down the other side? I just try to find the most difficult thing that I can possibly engage in just to sort of prove to myself and others maybe that it can be done. Um, but as far as the vision, I can't, it was so far ago that I can't really remember the genesis of it, but I talked to my wife just recently and she said, you know, you woke up from a dream. You know, I had the original idea of people's heads blowing up and you woke up from a dream and saying, you know, you saw puppets, life-size, she was like marionettes. I'm like, no, they have to be life-size realistic puppets. <laughs> I don't remember that conversation, but she says that's where that idea came from. I woke up with this idea that they needed to be these puppets. Um, I looked into it. It hadn't been done before. So I really didn't have a playbook to look at to kind of see if I could do it or make how to make it happen. So all of this entire movie was, you know, problem solving from beginning to end. Indeed, I think I think as well, if people just read um, the most basic of synopsis and hear the word puppets, they're automatically going to get a vision in their head, an image of what they think it will look like, akin to something like Full Moon's Puppet Master and so on, as you say, marionettes on strings and things like that. But of course, that is completely not the case. Um, but as you go went along this process, you get deeper into it. How does that change? Did you have any moments where you're like, okay, I'm going to have to change how I'm viewing this? Uh, probably not. I mean, I, I like I said, I just didn't know. So I really had to start filming and see what happened. And, uh, you know, we had this uh, abandoned amusement park that was available. It, it was a couple hour drive, but I worried mm. that it would be you know, gone forever. So, we, and it was in the script. So I had to get down there and shoot. It was a very ambitious shoot. It was like, uh, I think three days or four days, maybe. We actually hired people, which we rarely do. It's just usually me and my wife and maybe another person filming things. But we actually got a whole bunch of people down there helping it out. And it was extreme weather. It was just a horrible experience. And, you know, it's not just talking heads. It's, you know, a lot of action. There's stunts and things like that. So I did that um, early on. Um, and then um, I said, all right, well, this kind of works. I'm not really sure if it'll work as a feature. And then I finally got to, there's a dialogue scene with uh, the main character and the doctor closer to the end of the film. And it's a really good back and forth. And I edited it together and I sat there going, all right, now I can see it. I can see this as a movie. I can, see, I can get engaged with these characters. They're not just, you know, blank expressionless pieces of latex or silicon. Um, so it's kind of, that was kind of the turning point for me. So I was able to prove to myself I could do some action, but also people would engage in a scene of just talking heads for a few minutes. Yeah, because that's always uh, an extreme worry of this, you know, that engagement with the characters, that, 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 that relationship the viewer has with a character. Could that work with puppets? Yeah, you just don't know, because it's not like these are animatronics. The eyes aren't moving, blinks, the, the blinks were done in post by myself. Um, there's just not a whole lot of facial movement. So it's really pretty static. The voices carry much of it. The voices are really dynamic. Um, but you just don't know. Will people be willing to 
you know, sit there, be interested and actually engage and get invested in these characters and be emotionally moved by it um, through the film. So it was all a bit of a big experiment. I didn't even know when I finished if it worked. And it wasn't until it started screening and getting positive reviews that I realized that if I made a, a film that actually stood up on its legs and actually, you know, transported people into a weird world that didn't exist before. I think it's important, you know, from at least from my perspective, to stress to people that from my experience, it was very easy after a period of time to lose that initial uncanny valley feel and just buy into it. And by the end, forget that I'm watching <laughs> puppets. <laughs> well, that was definitely my goal. I didn't want people thinking about the puppets as they watched the movie. I just wanted them to get absorbed in the film. Um, and as far as the uncanny valley, that was kind of my notes to the fabricators I mean, you can make it hyper-realistic, but then why not just use actors if you're going to go that route? So I wanted it to be, you know, just like maybe 10 or so percent away from realism. So it is kind of puppety, retain some of those features, you know, see the seams and uh, smooth out some of the pores and things like that, make the eyes a little too big, that sort of thing. Um, just because I wanted to place people just a little farther back from pure realism. It works. It really, really yeah. does. Um, it really it does. It makes it a little more it makes it unsettling, I think, after a while. <laughs> That's the words. <laughs> Such a long period of time, which means you openly were working on this film as we hit the pandemic and lockdown period. So I kind of want to know what effect that had on it. Um, was there anything you were able to take from that period in a positive way for what you were doing? Um, yeah, because, you know, actually we had been going out to investors with no luck because everyone's like, well, it's a puppet movie. I don't know what that is. There was no comparables. Um, they just didn't see, I mean, it definitely doesn't appeal to children as a puppet movie. Um, so we're like, yeah, so it was really hard. It was a hard sell from, from the beginning. And we went to the film markets and things like that and touched bases with lots of people and they just didn't really see it. Um, or, or then financially, if it would be successful. But, um, so, uh, we kind of just uh, threw ourselves into it little by little over the years, just kind of, you know, saving up some money, making the movie. And then we got to the point where like, you know, no one's going to put money into it. We're just going to have to bite the bullet and get this thing finished. So I cut a major character out. I cut a lot of pages out. I consolidated scenes. I'm like, you know, I don't want to work on this for another two, three years. Let's just do it. And that was about 2020. <laughs> so we were all revved up, ready to go had our, you know, everything going and and then the then lockdown started here. So that um, sort of slowed us down because um, then the next scene we we're going to do is like the interrogation scene. So instead of jumping into it, it kind of gave me like six months to plan the scene, to work out all the props and the effects, how I was going to make puppets smoke. It, it you know, it kind of caused us to slow down um, and sort of think about things better and revise some of the, you know, the shot lists and stuff like that. So I think the pandemic kind of helped because it did, we were eager to get going, but I think we might've rushed through some of it and this forced mm -hmm. us to slow and think about things. Um, and, uh, and I think that film productions generally don't get that luxury because there's always a producer breathing over their shoulder telling them they got to hurry it up. You know, there's a deadline or a budget and we just didn't have that. So we can kind of really take our time and focus on it and do reshoots and sort of that sort of thing in our garage if we needed to. Um, it just allowed us to kind of take our time and get things just the way we, we envisioned it. It's great that you have that something positive from that period because openly that's an experience that you will unlikely and fingers crossed never have to go through again, even if mm -hmm. it was a positive thing. Yeah. Yeah. And the downs, well, also the positive is we have puppets. So we didn't have to get any of these people wearing masks. Uh, the, the people on the production side all the distance and wear masks. And then when we had, you know, like uh, the police officer smoking, um, you can't just blow through a tube because you have a mask on. So we had I had to create bellows 
create a, a way for the smoke to come out of his mouth. And even the puppeteer said, you know, this was on his bucket list of things to do was have a puppet smoke because he, even as experienced as he was, he hadn't done it. So, um, so I was able to devise something that didn't require me to take my mask off. And it was really exhausting. I mean, inside, outside, we, we complied with all the mask requirements and everything to testing and all that. Um, so yeah, to some, to some degree, it was helpful not having live actors to shoot, but on the other side of the side, everyone else on the other side of the camera had to definitely comply with all the regulations. It's just more challenges than what feels like and what yeah. seems like overall was an incredibly challenging experience. Yeah. And that's kind of what I want to gauge now. Narrow down to me some areas of making the entire film that you found particularly challenging. Well, like I said, that um, amusement park scene at the end, I mean, at any time we had filmed it, it was just a grueling scene. We had... Um, just extreme heat on one day, then a flash flooding the next day. We had uh, people squatting on that property that were a little unhappy with us being there. There was some rats. Uh, there was fire ants. Um, and we got all around it. Nobody got injured. Everyone was fine. Um, but it just was a huge ordeal. And it was a very ambitious shoot to begin with. Um, and and even just technically, just not that it interests many people, but I needed to make sure the sun was in the right position from scene to scene. You can't just do you know one character and then turn around and do the other because you just don't have time for it. Um, so then you just have to come back the next day, but you have to mm. time so the sun's in the right position on all three days when you're doing that scene. It was just a lot of stuff uh, that people don't realize. <laughs> just It's hard to make a movie to begin with, but when you have puppets that are you know sensitive to the weather and they can break down and, and uh, it added just a lot of different layers to it. So that, that was number one. Um, and I think that was probably our most challenging one, but there was just some other ones that, that were just surprisingly tough to do uh, like early on when we didn't really know how we're going to make these puppets work like when les comes into his mom's uh, house at the beginning um that was one of our first scenes and uh we didn't we didn't have a way of keeping the puppet up in the air so the puppeteer had to keep it up on their hand and there are of course fatigues over time of course an hour this especially mom was really heavy because we built from the upper chest up you know breasts and all that because we didn't know you didn't need to do all that we just <laughs> the time we just fabricated the whole thing it was heavy so his arm so the you know the head's kind of drifting down from shot to shot changing places and we're like well that's not acceptable so we have to work out a way to stop that so i came up with a pvc you know pipe uh, frame as a torso that you know sat on the ground and that way the puppet would just kind of be in one position and the puppeteer wouldn't have to fight gravity from shot to shot you're just focused on uh, the performance so things like that kind of just developed uh, like a trial and error throughout the course of the years you must be so pleased how incredible these particular scenes you're talking about and the challenges that you went through how they turned out yeah i mean i don't want people to think about any of that stuff really i just i don't want to think about how'd you do that i mean to some degree it's nice because it's a magic trick um that you know you're trying to pull off and see if you can make people think about it but you also don't want them thinking about it you just want them to watch the movie um so yeah I, all this problem solving was going on in the background with the effect being that i don't want people to actually think about oh how do they get a puppet to drive i just want them to like oh all right here he is arriving at his next location yes by <laughs> yeah. flipping that around then and looking on a more positive angle areas uh that you particularly enjoyed more than any other uh, about the production of the movie yeah the production the entire process um well i i i mean the, the puppets themselves were crazy um i loved it i didn't know you know again i just gave it to it was jeff farley that made most of them um and i just gave him the design or a lot of times just some ideas and he just ran off and came back with these crazy puppets and uh mm. 
just seeing them, you know, just like, like giving birth to a new child, you know, it's just like inviting a new person into the world. It was kind of that kind of experience when we picked them up from him. I'm um, just like, wow, you've done it again. You know, mom was so realistic. I mean, all the wrinkles and everything. It was just so amazing. And then you shoot them and it's the way you light them. It just, you really love it. You love the work of it. Um, and the voice work, working with these actors, it was incredible. They're just, you know, such high level actors uh, that you don't really have to give them any notes. You just kind of like let them, you just give them an idea. They've done their homework. Usually they go in the booth and they record the parts and it's just funny. You kind of kind of guide them here and there. Um, especially with the major roles like James kind of, so we can kind of work on the overall arc of the movie. Um, but for stuff like Robert England, I mean, he's coming in and he does like, you know, 20 different types of, 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 for every line you can do it 20 different ways. It was just, that's how it literally was. I was just sitting there. He's just rattling off one after another and they're all different. There's all different nuances to it. I'm like, I'm editing this together going, God, which one of these 20s is the best one? I have no idea. Oh. So it was, yeah, that was kind of an embarrassment of riches, especially with him, but he was just so well prepared um and gave just so many options to choose from but that's that's what you deal with when with, you know with these incredible talents they just come in they're professionals they they understand the characters they've done their homework and they just give you a lot of stuff just kind of you know different uh things for your toolbox to work with down the road yeah it is an incredible cast um you know and I'm, i just want to give them a quick rundown just for people understand you're watching and listening to this you've got james masters hannah may lee the late sid Haig, christopher mcdonald jordan peele and Robert England, just to name a few, um, how on earth did you assemble that cast? <laughs> um, well, you know, you I live in uh, Southern California, Los Angeles. So, you know, like we, we, you know, my wife is an actor and she's got a manager and the manager knows people too. So that helped. Um, but you just go out to their agents and go, you know, I've got this movie with, uh, with life-size puppets. And I think I think that was a big draw. And I think a lot of them, they like Robert England um, and Jordan Peele is a puppeteer major in college. So a lot of these people and James Marshes were fascinated with this idea. I don't, I don't, I think possibly they would have come to the project. It was just a pure animation. Um, and I think just having the, I, this concept of it was enough to, to bring people in. Did you, did you ever get overawed um, by, you know, working with such, uh, such big names, find yourself fanboying a little? Um, I think I have that tendency, like if I were to see somebody in a bar, I probably wouldn't approach them. Um, I mean, I think they just want their privacy, but also because of that, I think a little bit of the fanboy thing. Um, but when you're actually working with somebody, I think you just force yourself to set that aside and go, all right, this is just, we need to get this performance. I'm the director. Um, I can't be fanboying. It's just not going to work. So you have to set that aside and just kind of work with them as an artist, you know, and I think yeah. that was fairly easy to do. Oh, that's good to hear. Do you have any one particular scene or sequence that you that is your favorite, your personal favorite? Um, my very favorite scene. I don't want to give too much away, but there's a there's a scene where someone gives birth uh, out near a little creek. Um, as far as shots, that's probably the most hilarious shot in the movie. Uh, it was one of the most fun to do, um, and um, I think, like I said, uh, I think I think the the playground, the the uh, the, the uh, amusement park towards the end worked worked out pretty well, just because of the complexity of it, the camera moves, the stunt work. Um, I just think that, and it's just a wild. The whole thing is wild, so um, I think that worked out really well. I'm pretty happy with that. Um, but the whole movie from beginning to the end, I think I think you just have to take the whole movie together because of the 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 mood of it and uh, just the vibe you get watching it. It's hard to take it apart. Um, if you start doing that, deconstructing, I don't think it works as well. You just have to kind of 
uh, you know, move along with it like it's a, a current. You just get along with it from beginning to end and just feel it by the end of the movie. Um, and I think if you go with the flow, I think you enjoy it more as a whole than for looking at separate parts uh, as set pieces. It's difficult. I understand what you're saying. It's difficult because, you know, ultimately, I get what you're saying. Almost the Unchained Your Brain Relax, just go with, the, as you say, float down the river. But mm-hmm. also there's a habit in modern day, particularly with um, attention spans and so on, people that overthink things and start overanalyzing and so on, um, which is, uh, which is of course, possible to do in this film too. Yeah. Yeah. And it invites that sort of thing too. I mean, I did definitely put layers into it and there's stuff that I've read some very good film reviewers that get a lot of that. Um, uh, and they understand where I'm coming from. Um, and then I've also not seen a lot of stuff that I put into it that's still going to be discovered. I think down the road, if people watch it and discuss it as a community, I just think there's a lot of stuff in there, mythology and whatnot, that hasn't even been brought to the surface yet. Um, and I put it in there deliberately. So um, I think uh, I think it is wide open. And some people, some um, interviewers have asked me about certain symbolism and stuff uh, specifically. And, uh, and I just don't want to even go there because I'd rather not... Uh, Kind of spoil that for people let them discover it and kind of discuss it and create their own interpretations of it which is kind of affected if i provide mine as a filmmaker so it's, it's probably unfair to actually give uh, opinions about those things no i understand what you're saying there as well we always um whenever we do discussions we try to do our best to avoid any particular spoilers because ultimately just because what i think uh or i take from something someone else might take something completely different from it might feel yeah. from it in a different way maybe even different to what you planned uh, for them to interpret from it and um, to me that's never a bad thing if the fact that anybody takes anything away from this movie whatever it might be or affects them emotionally <laughs> is a good thing yeah no I agree like I said originally you know I don't want them to just go oh watch it that was a really great film and it's it's nice um, but you know if you're not going to make a movie like Coda you know which everybody loves you might as well make something that's kind of thorny and sticky and keep, stick, stays in people's heads whether they like it or not you know whether <laughs> they don't want this living in their head um, it's it's there. So you kind of want to make a, a movie that's got some longevity to it. There it is. Uh, talking about longevity then, and this is a bit, you're going to have to use your imagination here, I think. Two years down the line, a couple of years down the line, when you reflect on the abrupt uh, uh, experience, it's been out for a long time, people have seen it, there are plenty of reviews and you've been loads of feedback. What What one thing would you like to be able to say that you got from it? Um, well, I mean, that, you know, that it, I would like them to make more puppet movies. So I'd like them to say it's the first puppet movie ever made, you know, in this sort of thing, a horror puppet movie with life. Like, I don't want, you know, it's easy to make, you know, Team America and that sort of thing. But there's a there's a, an artistry to, to puppets, creating them and, and, and acting um, a film with them. And I would like to see us not having to talk about it. Like, we don't talk about why, you know, certain movies animated, you know, it's just accepted that we tell certain stories in different ways. Um, and it'd be nice that you're not making, you know, live action, just live action. Here's here's our A-lister uh, mm. making a superhero movie again. You know, so it'd be nice if, if filmmakers now you know, can be emboldened to make not even just puppets, but just stuff that was just thinking outside the box. You know, that's really it. So it kind of it hopefully would give permission to other filmmakers to do those sorts, make these weird decisions. Yeah. I don't think we're quite there yet, but it, uh, yeah, nope. you never know. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Um, considering the amount of time and effort that went into creating Abruptio, do you ever have any regrets uh, for not, say, thinking, inverted commas, simpler? Or was that simply never an option? Uh, when I uh, wrote, was writing the script, I asked my wife, should I just kind of keep in mind that these are puppets and keep it simpler? Or should I just make the, you know, this right script? And she said, just write it and we'll figure it out as we go. 
<laughs> which was like the kiss of death. I mean, but, you know, I could have done 90 minutes of talking heads, but uh, I listened to her advice and I just wrote the movie that, you know, it needed to be said. And then I worked the, you know, the puppets, the idea of having puppets in, in thematically. So it made sense. It wasn't just a, uh, you know, a, a, a gimmick that we have puppets. It, it works, you know, that these characters are, you know, our lead character at least is being manipulated by different forces outside and inside and all that. And we can cut the strings eventually if we take accountability. Um, so all that kind of worked into the script. Um, but I, I never, in my mind, I, once I, I set it into my head, I just like, all right, well, this is the movie. And then let's just, if we take a year or eight or nine years, we just keep this idea, this image in our head, thematically what we want to do and visually what I want um, and the tone of it and style. So just kind of carry it through. I never really wavered from that at all. I felt regret that I, you know, at certain points, like it wasn't, it wasn't an easier project, but I don't actually think I sort of downsized it into something else. I'm glad because ultimately to stand out in any aspect of media these days, uh, there has to be some level of uniqueness, but then finding what is unique is incredibly difficult when everything has been done. And as you say, yeah. you just go on the talking head route or, and so on, it may not have been as unique as it is, but mm -hmm. because of what you've done, it is so unique that it stands out regardless of whether you enjoy it or not. That's true. Yeah. And that was kind of what I wanted to, to in part do. I didn't do it just for that because I felt, I mean, I, yeah, there's probably other things I could have done that were simpler, but uh, I did it because they, they, they hadn't been done before. And any, any filmmaker probably would want to do something that had never been done before. If you asked them, um, you know, I think a lot of filmmakers are trying to look for something new, uh, a new story to tell and they just, or a new way to tell it. But I just don't think that light bulb ever went off in anyone's head. Or if it did, they just said, oh, that's not doable. So um, I'm the idiot that kind of saw it out, out to the end. <laughs> With that then in mind, uh, what's next for Evan Marlowe? What, 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 what's, what have you got going on? Um, well, we have a, you know, a um, distribution in place. It's going to probably launch early next year. Um, it'll be a really well-known name. You'll, you'll know it. You'll be excited when you hear it. So uh, I won't give that away yet. But um it's going to be great. Um, we're going to work on that. I assume that's going to take a little bit of work to get that going. Um, but in the meantime, I have been writing novels. So there's some ideas there. I'm working on different, uh, a different script, uh, more different novels, sort of. I have ideas. So if anyone like uh, with, uh, you know, any production company comes to me and goes, what else do you have? I've got plenty of ideas. But um, I, I would want it to be something that um, is not, you know, the same as what we've seen before. I'd like it, you know, if we're going to do a um, you know, a kind of movie that has, that is familiar, at least there's, uh, you know, some social commentary or something else different. I hate to use the word elevated horror, but, you know, because it's just think, to some degree, that's a helpful label, but I also kind of find it insulting. <laughs> we don't talk about elevated drama. Um, but, uh, you know, I kind of understand the idea that the motivation of using that phrase, you want to make a film that motivate that um, challenges people, um, not just, you know, blood and guts and jump scares, but, uh, you know, just really, I think those are the films that are going to have longevity. They're not just scary, but they're creepy um, in ways that kind of get under your skin that a lot of great filmmakers are doing right now. Um, and so probably in that direction, or even not just horror, but, you know, there's certain things that can be done in other genres that haven't been thought of before. Um, so I, that, that would kind of be it. I just don't even have a direction right now, but I have lots of ideas. And either way, it still sounds extremely exciting. And, and massive congratulations on the distribution for Abruptly. I mean, that is, um, without saying what it is, as you said yourself, that's incredible to hear. And it means more and more people will get the opportunity to see and experience the movie. Yes, thanks. Hopefully, yeah. Hopefully there'll be an interest in it. <laughs> I have to ask, where are the puppets now? 
Um, well, you know, we shoot a scene. The good thing about puppets is that you can kind of shoot their scene and then they can retire off into a storage facility. <laughs> you don't have to pay the puppets residuals and things like that. So, um, and they don't mind it. They, it's it's air conditioned and it's dry. <laughs> so they're off in a storage facility. Um, there's also molds I have in my garage, you know, the big giant uh, plaster of Paris or whatever he did. Those are huge and they're heavy. So I kept those. Um, you know, I, my dream one day would be kind of like open up like a, maybe a traveling museum or something that, you know, shows off our puppets or something like it. I remember when I was little and Dark Crystal had just come out and um, there was a restaurant down in L.A. called The Egg and I, I believe. And they had some of the puppets on display. And I think even now some of the puppets somewhere in this country, I think maybe New York, are on mm. display. Um, and that was one of the things, you know, as, as a kid that kind of really motivated me into filmmaking was the Dark Crystal and the artistry um of it and just uh I, I bought the books you know the the books that show how, how they were illustrated and all the designs behind it and i read those religiously and then star wars had come out so of course i was enamored with that and et and the puppetry of et mm. so i mean it, it does not puppetry necessarily clicked but just the magic of making movies um so i would kind of want to share that with other people especially kids not that this is a kid appropriate movie but just the uh you know the the beauty that of uh the puppets and the uh things that the amount of uh, artistry that goes into a film like this and the magic of it all that's it it's the yeah. magic yeah it is yeah i mean every movie is a magic trick because you're trying to show 24 or 30 frames per second and convince people they're watching movement um so everything is but some movies have a little bit more magic trick to it than others and i think this movie was kind of magic trick from beginning to end um so I, I don't want to spoil a lot of the trick to it but uh and a lot of it was each scene had its own little specific shot that was uh something that i really had to figure out um you know a specific shot that i thought well, how am i going to do this whether it's the driving or giving birth or something like that that you know puppets aren't capable of doing this stuff so it was a magic trick a specific magic trick in most of these scenes that i had to figure out too but by and large there was a huge amount of this this sort of magic trick thing going on in this movie folks don't pull back the curtain we don't need to see the wizard uh just yeah. enjoy the movie itself evan thank you so much for taking the time to do this i really appreciate it thanks for having me thank you very much for watching if you'd like to see more content like this, please consider hitting the subscribe button. It is gratefully appreciated. You can find us over at gbhbl.com, our full website, where reviews, news, and so much more goes up daily. We're also on all social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, threads, at GBHBL. Just search for GBHBL and you will find us out there. We also have merchandise on sale. You can access the shop via the website.